0: This episode is brought to you by DungeonNotebook.com, makers of the Tome of Delving, a hardcover notebook for keeping track of your 5th edition character. It has a place for your stats, your spells, your familiars, your inventory, all the essential things that each class needs, plus plenty of room to write down your adventure. The book comes in an awesome dust jacket and even has a ribbon bookmark so you don't lose your place. Go to DungeonNotebook.com and upgrade your character sheet today. <laughs>
1: What's up, and welcome to Difficulty Class, a show where we gather around this podcast table in your ears and talk about some dungeons and dragons. Each week, we are a listener like you writing into Difficulty Class at dmil.com. Come up with a topic, question, encounter, or anything else somehow related to RPGs, and we have some fun talking about them. I'm one of your hosts, Allie Deichman, and with me this week is
0: Trevor Bettis.
1: That's right. So. Let's just dive into this week. Uh, we are starting off with that wonderful fun news, right? with Chris Pine.
0: Yeah, that was not that was a that was a weird thing to wake up to. <laughs>
1: Yeah. you texted, also, real, real. I was like in the middle of class. I'm like, wait, Chris Pine is in what?
0: <laughs> <laughs> also, real quick, listeners. This could be a very laid back episode. Yeah. If you came in here hoping we're gonna give you some advice this week, it's mostly just gonna be us chit chatting. We're gonna talk about some D and D uh, movies and and what we're hoping for next year. Uh, but yeah, yeah freaking Chris Pine. Yep. Is is the lead role in the Dungeons and Dragons movie? That's a sentence.
1: Right? I love it like, though.
0: <laughs> like I I know he's he's Kirk. Like he he's in Wonder Woman. Like he's in a bunch of these like fandom nerdy movies. Mm-hmm. But like this is I was not expecting that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so have they said anything about what this movie is aside from that they're making it?
0: I don't think so. Okay. I I I remember there was some news like last year, rumblings about a script that was going around and that it might focus on Drist, but I highly doubt with Chris Pine being the lead that it's going to be Drist. Ugh, I hope not. Yeah. Yeah, let's not do that.
1: I kind of... Okay, so I have hopes. <laughs> I, if I had a dream of just, like, a fun D&D movie, what it would be, it would be something along the lines of uh, Princess Bride.
0: Okay. Where... Oh, with... with with it, the, the structure of it
1: yeah where it's you start out like just irl just people telling a story and people listening to the story and being part of it right because that's what D D is and then you go into it with like the actors and everyone actually playing out what's happening
0: <laughs> yeah i i that could that could be interesting like i my first thought was, like, maybe people might not be as interested because they're like, oh, well, there's not as many stakes there. But I'm like, well, that was the same thing with Princess Bride. Like, yeah. there it was just Fred Savage and his grandpa <laughs> reading a book. Yeah, But everyone's exactly. like, oh, no, Wesley. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. And, like, it would be so fun because, like, I can just imagine just a – you can make it like a bunch of kids just sitting around a table. Like <laughs> – <laughs> or you can make it a bunch of like adults you could have a mixture you could have a family who's like oh yeah i want to i want to sit down with my family like you can get real into it like what a uh, lego movie did where it was like oh it's this fun movie oh man where, that was spoiler so movie spoilers if you haven't seen the lego movie you should um but at the end it's like this story came about because the dad didn't let his kid play with his lego sets and there was this cool mm-hmm. out of like movie moment of connection within the plot that was outside of it yeah and it's like I feel like we could we could get that with this kind of I thing. I vividly remember,
0: is. I vividly remember being in the theater with Tara and just turning her at that point. I'm like, did the Lego Movie just give me feels? <laughs> I think it just gave me feels. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> and yeah, like, like it, it that, just, that
0: that could be cool.
1: I think I think that would be awesome. I think they have a lot of potential for that. My my biggest worry is that they're just gonna make a big like just summer action movie where it's like, all right, and that's it. It's, a, it was a fantasy movie.
0: Yeah. Like th- there's several routes that I could see them going with it. And there's one of them that is my biggest fear of all time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it, if, if they just made a fantasy movie like Lord of the Rings and then called it Dungeons and Dragons, that would seem weird. Right. Cause I mean, they already did that by the way, listeners, if you didn't know, there is a Dungeons and Dragons movie. There's actually three of them. Yeah, there's a few of them. <laughs> and they're, they're just awful. <laughs> they're just the worst. Yeah. If you've ever wondered what a uh, uh, Jeremy Irons with an eye stock coming out of his forehead looks like, go check out that two thousands movie.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, and that was weird because it was like they didn't at all even pretend like, oh, this is you know this is somebody's game or something like that and they called it d and I don't even think it took place in the forgotten realms I think they made up their own freaking place and everything mm-hmm. it was it was d d by name only yeah um <laughs> and so it it would seem more if they did that so if they like wouldn't it be cool if it was like um coming this fall curse of Strahd? Like, they didn't say D&D, but it was a very well-known D&D adventure done in a movie. That could be really cool. And... uh, you know, could trick some of those people that hold their nose up to D and D because they don't know. They they went in the, like that's a cool fantasy movie and everyone's like it was D and D yo. It was D
1: and D. We already know this story, man.
0: <laughs> man, that that's that's like a type I, I had a I had a friend I used to work with who was very much against D and D playing it. He thought it was the dumbest nerdiest thing ever. And then one day he was talking to me about Skyrim and how much fun he was having it and it was the best thing ever. And I'm like, hey, guess what? Every time you swing that sword, guess what the. Game game's doing in the background they're rolling dice yep (laughs) (laughs) he's very upset with himself um Mm -hmm. so yeah i if they call it dungeons and dragons i definitely think they should do what you're talking about there and i think it would be kind of cool if if they had the actors at the table still playing their characters yeah okay so you you, you
1: mentioned that and actually reminds me of um It's, it's, uh, I can't remember their YouTube name right now, but there's actually a group of people that play D&D and, but they, they started out as a YouTube skit show. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is it, uh, Vita? I gosh, I'm, I'm blanking on the name right now. Um, it's the epic NPC man kind of thing. Okay. It's those people. Um, Ah Viva La Dirt League. That's what it is. (laughs) Okay. Uh, so, they had started out doing a skit show and everything like that, and they also play games and stuff. But pretty much, they have this entire character called Epic NPC Man, where it takes the concept of an NPC and an MMO, and they're like, oh, yeah, this is what the NPC has to go through while you're just playing the game. It's a funny skit show. You should watch it on YouTube. I recommend it. But then okay. they started introducing other characters and other NPCs to this show. And eventually, you got the farmer, who is, like, your basic NPC who gives quests at the beginning. You've got the epic wizard who uh, tells you where to go, you know, when you're past Stay new while prestige. Stay a listen. Yeah, you've got the the blacksmith, and the blacksmith hates the garlic farmer. And it's like, and all of a sudden, they're like, they had the idea of, well, let's play let's play d with these characters. And so they got a friend to DM them, and they all are playing their characters that they play in the skit show. And then they splice in from the skit show like them actually full on in their outfits <laughs> portraying the actions that they're describing they're doing in D d
0: that's amazing
1: and i'm like sitting there i'm like this is so damn entertaining because it's like mm-hmm. it's literally i i don't even have to really envision it that hard because they're doing it for me and it's such a cool way
0: wasn't wasn't like the intro for the first season a critical role of them in like their characters costumes
1: Oh, I couldn't tell you.
0: <laughs> I, th- I feel like it was. Like, I I, I think that's cool. And, like, I, I love this idea of, like, all of these famous actors sitting around a table playing these characters, and Chris Pine's like, all right, I go to swing my sword at him, and he goes to roll dice, and then it cuts to him, like, in fantasy garb, swinging at a <laughs> goblin or something. That'd be amazing. Yeah.
1: And, like, um, I know that D&D can be done in a really cool, like, actiony way. I mean, because... I don't know if you saw the most recent Hellboy movie, but um,
0: I didn't. I did uh, not. Yeah, it's
1: f- as far pass. as I know. It, it was. It wasn't that great. <laughs> but as far as showing like how fun it would be to taking down like a hill giant, that was probably one of the coolest like mm-hmm. scenes in that movie. Was just how much all that fantasy was part of it.
0: Yeah, I and, get that.
1: Like, if there's a time to do a D and D movie with a high budget, now's the time, and I love it.
0: Yes. <laughs> Uh, the, the one that I have the, the, the one that scares me to my core, mm-hmm. the one that I, I think about before I go to sleep at night and get a shiver is that they're going to do some freaking bullshit eighties plot line where it's like, Oh no, the players got sucked into the world of D and was going to say the fish out
1: of water anime situation, right? Yeah.
0: If, if they pull that crap, I I will not. You will not hear me talk about it on the show. I will not give it the time of day. I will ignore it from all existence.
1: Yeah, like, it's uh... that was my worry too. Where like Chris Pine is gonna be some regular dude and he's gonna get like sucked into the D and D universe. Quote, you know? yeah. And
0: because then- the, the, because I can see some exec just being like, hey, you know that Jumanji movie's doing really good now. What if we did that with a well known property too? That just it scares me.
1: Yeah, um, well, Jumanji was with, with Universal, right?
0: Oh God, I, I think so. Yeah, because I will is, say I haven't Rocky seen the newest Paramount. one, but the 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 last one they did the the one you know, so many years later it was actually pretty good. But I don't want that as d and D movie. <laughs> Please don't do that. It's,
1: oh, okay. So I am like I know there's there's like a specific name for it because uh, anime, by the way, does this concept. Oh, all yeah. the time it was like pretty much it became a huge thing and like sword art Online is like one of the big like mm-hmm. it started it i guess you could say but uh i, I don't know exactly how to pronounce it, but like isekai isekai it,
0: it's that's i feel like i've heard that before and yeah. i feel like that i heard it like that <laughs> yeah
1: so it's like that's like the kind of genre and good lord i would i would hate it if they tried to pull that in there Cause I like I said I would love if they really just went full all in, and they either mm-hmm. make a laughing fun joke out of it, or they get full like full Lord of the Rings.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> like, I... we'll, go, well, well, go we'll going with that concept. What what do you want out of d and D movie? Like, what do you want to see? What do you want them to explore? What do you want them to show?
1: More than anything, I want them to show a story of the characters less so action scene after action scene after action scene where nothing Mm -hmm. really happens. Like if they went into a dungeon, took care of the boss and there was some cool CGI like action movie feel thing, I'd be like, okay, that was a neat thing to sit through. But it's like, I'd rather have like an actual like meaty story or a mystery behind it and have characters that I want to like fall in love with. Because mm-hmm. um, I was just talking to Spencer the other day about the the difference between because I I just finished watching The Greatest Showman, uh, because I'm like
0: I still need to watch that.
1: One of my friends, it's like his favorite show movie ever, and I'm like, okay, cool. But then um, I'm like, I'll give it a shot. So then I watched it at the end of the movie. I was like, oh, that was not great. <laughs> 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 and like I realized, I'm like, I'm trying to think like why was that not great and. Then I, b- before we went to bed, we finished the night by watching like a couple scenes from Hamilton. And I realized, oh, because Hamilton made me feel and connect to the characters. And I cared when something bad happened. Mm-hmm. I felt when things were going on. I I cried in Hamilton, whereas like Greatest Showman, the beat and the everything was so off and it was so focused on what was happening and not how the characters could respond to it. Mm. Like, the saddest song in The Sh- Greatest Showman had an upbeat tempo when people were still dancing to it, when you were supposed to be, like, huh. devastated and crying.
0: What Was it one of those musicals where it's like, hey, we're singing the scene but not progressing the story?
1: Oh, yeah. No, the whole okay. movie is, like, 80% that. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's, that's pretty much, like, 80% the movie. Like, the first song, by the way, is, like... Uh, I don't I don't know I think like 12 minutes long
0: good lord yeah okay see it's... part of me is like that is a, that is incredible the other part of me is like I now really hope I enjoy this uh, movie because I want to just put that in the car and sing it as I'm driving somewhere now <laughs> but uh, this is not d d <laughs>
1: yeah I mean like I'll just say this do you like fallout boy music a little bit then you really might like enjoy the greatest showman
0: Oh, shit. All right. I'm, okay. Okay. I'll give that one shot. Anywho. Uh, oh, man. What if they did a DD and d musical? Anywho, we're not going to go there. I know. Um, <laughs> uh, so, okay. Well, it, go, going on what you were saying there where you want characters that you feel about, do you want them to make new characters for this story or do you want iconic characters in it?
1: Oh, I would love new characters. I would love new yeah. characters with a little bit of sprinkling of the world we know. Like, have it take place in Forgotten
0: Realms. It has to take place in Forgotten Realms. Like, so it just Chivey has is. to. Yeah.
1: <laughs> like...
0: Like, if they try to make their own world for this one, that's going to be the first giant big red flag for God, me.
1: God, yeah. Like, they don't have to pull up, like, Salvatore to be a <laughs> an assistant writer on this.
0: Ed Greenwood will answer all of your questions. <laughs> you should know. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, like... it. They they have all this at their disposal and I really, really hope Paramount takes that because this is a huge fandom at this point. And I'm yes. really hoping that they're not treating it as a, oh, well, this will really kind of bring it out of the woodworks. It's like, no, this is already a really highly established thing. And people are saying like, oh, if Joe Manganiello and Matt Mercer don't make a cameo in there, what is this? I'm thinking like. That's okay, true. I agree
0: with that though. No, that's yeah. true. Like yeah.
1: you have these big names. Like if you could get the original Hulk to come back and play a single yeah. scene in the first Hulk movie, it's like yeah, go for it. Well, well,
0: like like honestly, like I I, I think all the critical role cast should have some form of cameo in it. Uh, absolutely, Joe Manganiello, Chris Perkins got to pop up in there somewhere. Like he's got to be a merchant or something.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's like they have all these opportunities to throw in, like, "Oh, I see what you did Matthew there." Kind Lillard. of moments.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And and they don't have to be distracting. They can be just for the people that enjoy and partake. In oh B&B. yeah,
0: like like um like Stephen Colbert's cameo in in The Hobbit. Yeah, where like it literally just it passed him and his family real quick, and he did this weird glance at the camera, and like for people who knew that was Stephen Colbert, you're like ah, there he is. But it it didn't interrupt, it didn't
1: distract from it, it didn't point it out in a weird way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it, that's... <laughs>
0: like, all of a sudden, Joe Manganiello shows up. Look, kids, it's Joe Manganiello!
1: <laughs> oh, there was a movie that kind of did something like that similarly, where it was like they stayed on something for way too long, and it was like, oh, yeah. I'm why sure did it do like... that? I don't remember exactly what it was. I'm but...
0: just thinking of Jay and Silent Bob. Look, kids, it's Mark Hamill! <laughs> 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 um, so, so new character and I think the new character angle would be really cool too just from like a marketing standpoint because imagine if they like made a new box set that was like hey this is the DD movie and they had pre-made character sheets of all these new characters yeah, and everything that would could be really cool profit
1: off of that so fucking much so hard like so hard yeah. like the, the you could get figurines you can make minis you can make a new box set that's a starter set or you can make a box set that is like a campaign I mean, they've made box sets based off of magic releases. I'm sure that they yeah. could do that off of a movie that they're part of.
0: <laughs> I just thought of a worse possibility. Oh, God. <laughs> Again, it's a terrible 80s trope. What if instead of it's like, oh, no, the players are sucked into the game world, where it's just like, oh, no, your D&D characters are in real life now.
1: Oh, the opposite.
0: If they do that, that would be the most atrocious thing to ever grace the planet Earth. Yeah. (laughs) Film-wise. Oh, boy. (laughs) Yeah. No. God, that would be bad. Um, Okay, so we got new characters. Would you want them to do a well-known campaign or would you want them to do their own thing?
1: I mean, just because of how epic the story and concept is, I would love for the, the Heart of the Dragon Queen to be played out, but in a well-written way, Ooh. you know, like if they, if they took the general outline and story beats of that book, the books, and then they just rewrote their own campaign, which would be fine because everyone kind of did that already. <laughs> I think that would be pretty neat. And you would I mean, still get that so, really epic finish. And...
0: Yeah, because, I mean, that that it's so iconic. Like, you, you're called Dungeons and Dragons. Like, you have the god of dragons show up, or goddess of dragons. My apologies. Uh, and, like, that's the finale. I yeah. mean, and I and that's so how you can get that Joe Manganiello cameo. Okay, I mean, they have Archon, Archon. pop up. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Um,
0: <laughs> That See, that's interesting. I actually hadn't thought about Rise of Tiamat as a possibility for the storyline. Um, yeah, that could be really cool. Because, like, you know, what, one of the most iconic things in D&D is the the Tomb of Horrors. And I don't think there would be a way to do that. And, you know, Ready Player One screwed my dr- hopes and dreams of seeing the Tomb of Horrors on screen. Thank you very much, oh, freaking no. Steven Spielberg. How did, wait, um, how did they
1: do that? I, I didn't so,
0: see it. So. <laughs> spoilers for Ready Player One book-wise, but the first e- the first Easter egg that uh, uh, Wade finds is actually in the Tomb of Horrors. Oh. Um, yeah, it was some weird thing where it's like, he just happened to be on the game world and, and and was in the right place at the right time and found the entrance to the Tomb of Horrors and went through it and then... It was hilarious cuz like the, the last part of the two was actually playing the old arcade game Joust against a Sirac. Oh. <laughs> if you beat a Sirac, you got the key. Okay. <laughs> and I understand. That wouldn't have made a very dramatic cool movie scene, but uh, you know, King Kong swiping at the DeLorean didn't do much for me either. Um So yeah, I don't think they I don't think they could do tomb of annihilation Um, and again, trying to get that iconic, uh, uh, sword coast adventure going. And that kind of, for me, cuts out curse of Strahd too. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think that if this movie does well, they should hundred percent do curse of Strahd, please for the love of God, do curse of Strahd. Um, so really like of what we have out as an option. Oh, and I just had another idea that we'll get to, uh, it would be tyranny of dragons or storm King's thunder.
1: Yeah, um, <laughs> I've also brought up like Tyranny of Dragons because you brought up both Tomb Annihilation and Curse of Strahd. It's like Tyranny of Dragons, I feel is like the least problematic of all of the campaigns.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's also true.
1: So like there's no like white savior moment. There's no casual racism. There's no like, it's, there's, there's none of that to worry about in there.
0: Yeah. Well, I I, I said that with the hope that they would Fix that, change and, things, and yeah. yeah, and change it around, and and not do that fucking bullshit. Right. Um. But you know, you have a very good point there. Um. But yeah, the I I could see like Storm King's Thunder could be cool, but like again, I I the more I think about, it, the more I think you're right that if they do a pre-written one, it would be Tyranny of Dragons because it's mm-hmm. just so iconic. Yeah,
1: it's just the 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 epic amount of like adventure in there it's very much an adventure oriented like book whereas the other ones are kind of they have their own focus and i think as far as like a movie goes this would probably be the best kind of route but then again i said earlier like i would love for it to not focus on the adventure and for it to focus on the character concepts and yeah can you imagine if like Instead, like, we, we get to meet this group of people and the entire movie is actually about a backstory. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's actually about going through a character's backstory and, like, solving a problem.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because I think that, that, that would be awesome. That's It's true. And, like, I guess it, it, if you did try and do a smaller scale adventure, that could be really cool and interesting also and, like, get that classic feel. Mm-hmm. Of a of a fantasy adventure, um, I mean, like you know the the if they like riff off of like Sword of Shanro where they do their own storyline, uh, and it is just this old school quest of like there is a magic sword, it is in a bad place, and you need it to kill the bad thing. Mm-hmm. I I'd still be pretty cool with that. Oh, I, just I just don't.
1: I just thought of something that would be, uh, you know how we're talking about, like, really bad possible D&D ideas? Mm -hmm. If they took the Game of Thrones approach, where it's like, oh, yeah, these guys are trying to fight dire rats in the the basement, but it's, like, gritty realism and everything's gross and disgusting.
0: No, please. I just, I'm, (laughs) I'm so tired of dark fantasy, of freaking grimdark. I'm. Uh, working at the bookstore last year, like really nailed that for me. Where it's like every other freaking cover in there was just like, "I'm dark and brooding, and there's blood on the cover, and look at my rusty sword." I'm like, I don't care. Mm-hmm. The fuck! Oh my god! I just don't. care. I want to feel good.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and like, I think like, that's one of the reasons why the Lord of the Rings movies still are such a hit because it could be dark and raining, but one, you could still see the entire battlefield, and two, yes! it's it still looks epic when you're seeing the scene not gross honestly for
0: me (laughs) look wise of the movie i want it somewhere between lord of the rings 4k version because good god if you haven't seen those screens they're fucking gorgeous um somewhere between that and i know this is gonna sound weird the world of warcraft movie Mm -hmm. that movie don't get me wrong pile of shit Absolutely terrible. Uh, but I loved the aesthetic of it.
1: I was going to say, its concept boards were amazing. <laughs>
0: yeah. Like like the the part early on where they're on horseback and there's the knights in, in the stormwind armor and they're going through the forest and you see, you know, the, the oh my God, I can't remember what they're called. The guys. Um, murlocs? murlocs. There we go. Yeah. And you see the murlocs going <laughs> in and out of the water and them watching them. I loved that. I thought that was such... Like the setting, the the aesthetic, mm-hmm. and everything, it looked so good. Um, I would want something kind of in between that, because um, I, I I think it would be very it'd be very pretty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I, I know I, I know I had more things to bring up about the movie, and now I'm just stuck on these terrible ideas and how much <laughs> I'm scared of them.
1: <laughs> There's so much to be worried about when it comes to this movie. Like it could it end up like the World of Warcraft movie. Yeah. Where they try to explain something through a movie to only like the the few people that'll watch it, and it's like, and sure, if they tried to show any other friends who aren't in a D and D, they wouldn't like it. We don't want that movie. We don't we don't want one that's only for D and D fans. We want one that everyone can enjoy, like a fantasy movie, like Lord of the Rings.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, at this point, what I'd honestly want them to do is not. Because, like, you know, we were sitting here talking about, like, could do Tyranny of Dragons and stuff like that. Honestly, what I kind of feel like I want, I just want a small adventure that does really good, that makes people interested in the story and the characters and the setting and the movie does well enough to continue. Because, like, imagine if they they set it up where this first movie was essentially levels one to five. Mm -hmm. And then if that does good enough... We okay. We get to make a sequel. All right. This is going to be levels five to fifteen or something like that. Where where we're ramping it up. Um. So I think that's kind of more what I would want instead of worrying about. You know, movie execs being like, "Well, does it have to be a five-headed dragon? What (laughs) if if it was just three heads?"
1: (laughs) (laughs) I know. Oh, I just I just had this very real like thought of the movie opening and it's a it's a wide side shot of the ta- of a tavern classic it's dark in there you got the fire on the left and you got a cup that's out of focus in front of the camera and then you you cut to your first character that's like drinking an ale looking around and then you you cut to the door someone enters in and they notice each other and it's the classic you meet in a tavern yeah <laughs> yeah but done in a cinematic like a a movie way
0: that would be good and like I would love it they're they're in the yawning portal Matt Mercer's in the background somewhere
1: (laughs) chatting up some poor person
0: yeah (laughs) yeah no I I really like the more I think about the more we talk the more I'm like I kind of do want just a smaller scale story Mm -hmm. that's in a place that I know that is interesting to a viewer yeah because yeah if they did try to do tyranny of dragons there'd be so much that they would have to try an info dump or skip over or anything like that just having a small story like imagine if it just took place in Waterdeep or Baldur's gate or neverwinter where it's just it's just here we're just doing an adventure it's gonna be you know an hour and 40 minutes or so or something like that i'd be fine with that i think that would be cool
1: oh yeah i mean like that's the thing like with dragon like water dragon heist like that would be a fun one to go for and to potentially have like other outlets from there i mean you of all people know how how many different paths you can take from that <laughs> campaign yeah. like that would be a fun one to do however it's just like the concept i'm just thinking of there's so much like back lore into that i can already imagine them like starting it with like a slow pan over the whole city in like a narration explaining where we are, what we're doing. Yeah. And it's like, I kind of want to skip like, that. Dude,
0: <laughs> A freaking like, I, I usually, like, I, I'm, I'm usually with the the sins joke of just like narration. Um, yeah. <laughs> Cause I do think it's funny, but honestly, a really cool narrator voice, like how they did in the, and I know you hated it in the, the series of unfortunate events movie. Mm. Like if they got a really cool narrator voice that acted as the DM's voice, Yeah, that would be that'd be really cool. And you never have to be like, it's the DM. Maybe in the credits, it says DM for like the narrator.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, And like going back to like Princess Bride kind of concept, like I would love that if it was mixed in there, too. Yeah. And like, I probably Uh, wouldn't mind it if it was also just by itself.
0: (laughs) mm Mm-hmm. The, the the last thought I'm going to bring up before we, we take a break here is uh something to do, something that they can market with. Because remember how it sounded like they could do a box set and everything like that? Yeah. Like, what if they try to tie in this movie with an upcoming adventure? Because even Baldur's Gate 3 um is set directly after descent into avernus uh mm-hmm. i actually told my players they weren't allowed to play the early access until we finished <laughs> that campaign um yeah. i mean and like, so like it would be kind of cool if they did something like that
1: yeah that's what i was kind of talking about earlier with like the magic sets being released the same time that they release the setting books mm-hmm. like um they did Ravnica and Ravnica was like huge at the time. And it was mm-hmm. like, they had three things of Ravnica going right back to back to back with, uh, magic, the gathering. And it, they kind of boosted each other up and you got excited about the setting because of mm-hmm. it. And I'm just thinking like, that would be so cool. Cause can you imagine like watching the movie, loving it, thinking, I don't want to stop with this feeling. And then going home, having the book, and playing yeah. it after that
0: <laughs> yeah that would be that'd be amazing i would love that
1: yeah i mean like that's probably how like people who watch critical role feel when they announce the Wildmount book they're like oh mm-hmm. you mean i can just continue this feeling of being in the setting that i love
0: <laughs> yeah it's like
1: yeah totally because that would be so neat that would be such a great opportunity for him too
0: re- yeah no that really would be i mm-hmm. i 100 agree um well, uh, I, let's, let's put, a, put a break here and do our, our little mid-show stuff, but before we give out a, uh, the code for Idle Champions, really quick one, do a little bit of dungeon keeping, you know, just halfway through the show, you know, as we normally do, <laughs> yeah, totally, 100%. totally. Um, if you missed it, we did a stream on Wednesday uh, as part of the uh, Idle Champions Day of Streaming, mm-hmm. uh, and we did, a, we did a game, and it was run by Mars, and uh, right now, present Allie and Trevor have not played it yet, but... <laughs> But uh, when you're listening to this, Allie and Trevor it had an absolute blast. Yes, uh, <laughs> we are so excited. <laughs> yes, um, and so it, um, if you didn't if you didn't notice, we put up the audio from that game yesterday. When you're listening to this, so on Thursday we put up the audio for the game. Uh, that is going to be the previously on for this week. We didn't have one on Wednesday because we are very busy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, between
1: holidays um, retail and this. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. So, uh yeah, if you missed out on that, go back, take a listen to it. Um and, uh, it was a get, it was another game run by Mars uh and uh, it it was called a uh, Twice Upon a or Once What was it? What's it called? Once Upon Twice Upon a Blue Moon. Yeah, Twice Upon a Blue Moon. That's what it is. Yeah. Um and I I, uh, I got to play Garlock again. All I got to play uh a Lorelee Lorelei. Lee. Laura Lee. Laura I got it right. <laughs> uh, Garwar was back as Garwar and uh, Lee Goldberg was back as Watt221B. And uh, so, yeah, uh, go back, take a listen to it, uh, ha- have some fun. It's also going to be up on uh, on YouTube. Uh, I think mm-hmm. uh, it's definitely going to be up on the Codename Entertainment uh, uh, account. I don't know if it'll be up on difficulty class. That's a conversation I have with other people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so go check that out. Um, now... Speaking of Vial Champions, let's give away some Champions loot. Uh, this is the part of the show where we give out a code to put into Idle Champions on any of the numerous platforms it's available on and get a free gold chest on us to get some good loot and kick evil's butt. This week's code is I-D-E-A-U-R-E-A-G-R-A-M. Like I said, put that in on any of the numerous platforms that Isle Champions is available on. And take a screenshot, send it to us on Twitter, at Difficulty Class, because we love to see what you get, especially when you get those shinies. I I love going on Reddit and seeing people getting feats and shinies and purples. (laughs) It's so much fun. Um, Next part of our break is uh, our uh, DC Spotlight. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, full disclosure, this DC Spotlight was provided to us uh, for free by the creator, uh, uh, David Baker. Um, but it is fantastic, and we I, I really liked reading through it. And he worked on this with help from uh, Joshua, I think it's Joshua Varga. I think that's, I think, man, I'm think going to scroll down because I want to get this right. We've, we featured his content on here before. Yeah, uh, Joshua Varga, um, he actually did the uh, Grappler's Handbook Expanded that Hi. we had on here. Right, A long time ago. Yep. Uh, I think we did. I think we featured one of his adventures, too. Possibly. So this is... The the, the Grappler Handbook was ways to implement grappling moves into already existing uh, classes. This is a grappler class all on its own. And... It's almost worth it just for the front page or uh, second page art of a man in a literal bear suit that is just going, <laughs> just go about to go nuts on someone, a literal bearserker. Um, so, yeah, th- this is a full fleshed out class uh, for brawling and grappling and wrestling and all that fun stuff. And it uses a lot of the same ideas that Joshua was going off on with kind of like maneuvers. Uh, Like what fighters get uh, where, you know, it's usually for like ranged or melee and stuff. This one specifically for grabbing stuff, taking it to the ground and holding them there.
1: I like that. It's because like you approach that with Tasha and it's like, oh, yeah, I have the ability to kind of do it more in a balanced sense. But like this is actually gives you options for how you want to do things. And I love that.
0: Also, uh, at the back, there are three new weapons that I actually missed because I guess I stopped scrolling for some reason. <laughs> um, there is uh, the the Psy, Nunchuck, and Tonfa. I actually didn't Ooh. know that that's what a... Uh, it, it's kind of like a baton with the, like, the handle on the side. I oh, uh, did okay. not know that was called a Tonfa. Um, yeah, so you get three new weapons in there. Um, the, the Psy can do 1d4 piercing or bludgeoning. Nunchucks do 1d4 bludgeoning and the Tonfa does 1d4 bludgeoning. Their uh, light finesse and the Psy can be thrown, which now I'm like, I can finally make uh freaking, uh, 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 oh my God, I can't remember. Raphael. I can make Raphael. Yes. Turtles. Make my <laughs> get, get that turtle to size.
1: Oh my God, you could totally do that.
0: <laughs> I would. I, I need to do this now. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, the uh, the supplement is called uh, the Grappler, a martial class for D anD D Five E by David Baker. We'll tweet it out as normal, uh, or you can just go run to DM's Guild right now and check it out. Uh, very much recommend it. It is only two dollars and ninety five cents for an entire class. Highly recommend it. So, uh, second part of the show. Hey uh hey like i said this is gonna be a laid-back episode listeners. Yeah. <laughs> and what we thought we'd do is just okay let's start off well let's, let's, let, 2020 what a fucking year <laughs> <laughs> that's an understatement jesus christ um
1: what did it do like what do we do to it why like why? <laughs> like remember remember
0: remember 2019 it's, it feels like ages ago. I remember you and I sitting in a noodles and company mm-hmm. <laughs> after we ran a game at the bookstore. Yep. And we were talking about all the things we are going to do this year for the show yeah. and whatnot. And March came along and just said, fuck you. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that was man i remember that that was a while yeah. ago
0: <laughs> like i i remember we made we made plans to go to the live event we're like doesn't matter what it is doesn't matter how much it costs we're gonna save up m- money starting right now mm-hmm. we're gonna go we're gonna you know network and all that stuff none of that happened nope <laughs> um and so what What you know what we thought we would do is talk about what we're hoping for 2021 to look like D wise Uh, maybe not so much show wise it's hard to tell (laughs) (laughs) it's hard to know what we're gonna do Um, and uh, and yeah so like what what do you hope in D&D wise for for next year
1: D&D wise um, I hope that they keep doing what their their path is when it came to Tasha but they stop they stop the idea of like oh this is gonna take seven years when it doesn't need to
0: yeah
1: you know you know what i'm talking about where it's like oh yeah the concept of uh the races uh and the ability scores that are tied to them and it's like i really hope that they understand that this has already been done on the dm's guild they don't even have to work hard for this solution because it's already there and they technically own it (laughs) like i hope uh, hope
0: pathfinder uh, uh, I don't know if they did it in 2nd Edition. I don't think they... I think they did the World Guide or something. But in Pathfinder 1st Edition, there was the Advanced Race Guide. Mm-hmm. So why not make, like, Elminster's Guide to Origins or something like that that yeah. just revamps it?
1: Oh, totally. I mean, like... I I really hope that D&D, like, Wizards as a company kind of steps up their game when it comes to that kind of stuff. And Absolutely. Because it's... They're not the they're not the only ones out there anymore that are getting like bigger and bigger names. And especially the more that social media has like an effect on the T T RPG like playground. Yeah. The less hold wizards has.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I don't, and I don't honestly see that as a bad thing. I know it's a
1: great thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, I wish I had all the time in the world to play those other games, mm-hmm. um, but but you know I I've been playing D and D for so long, and it's it's what I play, and it's what my friends and I do. Uh, but I d- like I want more tabletop RPGs to become big. I I want. Again, we talked about it last last episode. Um, where we we're saying like, hey, sometimes it's okay to play, you know, <laughs> not so. It is okay to play things that aren't D and D when that's what the feel you actually are going for if if combat is just the worst you just <laughs> you don't you hear roll initiative and your skin crawls check out fate like yeah. it's totally I, I i want that to happen where more of these bigger games come out and i don't think that's going to be a detriment to wizards because people will still people still play D. people will still get the books and stuff like even even when i wasn't regularly playing DD i still bought the books every time what came out
1: oh yeah like i am running my own homebrew campaign and yet you will still see me buying every campaign book yeah it's wild that i do but i do <laughs> i can't explain why <laughs> uh probably because they're just if they're the alternate cover arts with hydro art on it i will buy it but you know <laughs> got to have a yeah. match.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um but yeah, I I I really do want to see Wizards step up mm-hmm. with this um I, I I I want them to to do more and and I understand this year man, a lot of stuff got thrown around and I I I can I can give them a little bit of leeway there. Next year we got a vaccine coming out. We've got, you know, the world reshaping itself and everything there is much less of an excuse coming up to be like you could absolutely divert your supplement book this year to this yeah you a hundred percent could like we've talked about
1: the 5.5 you know like release in the past and this would be a great opportunity for them to do that
0: i yeah the the more i genuinely feel like we need a new player's handbook um that book came out and it it came out in 2013 right someone said 2014 recently and i felt like i was going insane (laughs) i could have sworn i'm I'm looking up this up on amazon now of Mm. of when that player's handbook came out um it all right amazon i type in D &D and you're just like let me put it as the the 22nd option um
1: Uh, yeah it was august 19th 2014
0: Oh, it was 2014? Oh my yeah. god, I'm crazy.
1: Yeah, so that was it's August, th- and then September was the Monster Manual, and then December was the DMG.
0: Yeah, like, 2014 was right now, six years ago. We're now over six years from that. Yeah. And uh, at that point, the point, six years was when 5th edition came out after 4th edition. We've now gone through the entire lifespan of 4th edition with 5e.
1: Yeah.
0: So... I, I cannot accept anyone saying no. It's fine as is. It's not. You, you could do you could do with an update and make it the advanced players handbook. Bring back that old AD&D logo, mm-hmm. um, and just up it uh, and bring it up to that. Stop printing the players handbook only print this advanced copy. That's what you play with. There's l- literally all it does is it fix up, fix up a lot of language, a lot of the mechanics and a lot of the, the not great shit. Yeah. So <laughs> do I think that's going to happen this year? Probably not, but man, I would really love it if it did. Um. I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like that's probably the best way, the best uh, option of time spent would be on that.
1: Yeah. Very fair.
0: Uh, now, okay, P- pivot away from what they should do, uh, or, or we hope they do, because I try not to say should. Now, nah, this one, you should do that. Uh, I try not to tell people they should do stuff. You should do this. Yeah. Um, as far as, like, book release goes, I because I, I remember at the beginning of this year, uh talking about being worried about it being too much. And I mean this year we got the wild Mount book which got can you believe that came out this year? We recorded our preview of that book before COVID hit. Oh no, it was just as COVID hit.
1: Yeah, that that's kind of wild to think
0: about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was I think that was one of our first episodes we recorded remotely. Um so we got Wildmount that came out and then uh, freaking, oh, my God. Theros came out this year, too, didn't it? Yes. Wow. Oh, my God. Okay, so we got Mount Theros uh, and then Rime of the Frostmaiden and Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. So we got four books this year. Do you mm-hmm. think they stick to a four book thing now?
1: I think they will because it's been nothing but good for them doing that. Mm-hmm. And like doing their live show, I think if they have any kind of sense about it, they'll keep that up. They'll do like a digital live show and also a live show, so it's not just yeah, a once a year event.
0: I don't I don't know if they're gonna do, I don't know if they're gonna do another live show this year or if it, if it's too soon. Because I mean we I mean we're still we're still in the like okay this vaccine's here but we don't know how long it's gonna take for everything to be chill. So. Yeah.
1: I know that's what I mean like having one in the first like in the spring quarter have a digital live show and then Mm. if things go well in the fall quarter have a live live show and the nice thing about the digital one is that you were able to get people that you would normally not have gotten because Mm -hmm. it was done through the comforts of your own home There was no need to house people and have them travel so it's like oh yeah you wanted to have a whole table of people that you could only have a dream team it's not a dream anymore you just send them an email
0: yep (laughs) Yep.
1: And it's like, uh, that, I feel that, like they should cool. keep going with that.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, the, the live shows usually are in June. So that's, you know, six months from now. Who knows where we're going to be at that point? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like, you know, like I said at the beginning of the segment, like we talked about last year, like, okay, we're going to go to the live show no matter what. I don't know if I would be comfortable going to the live show this year if they have it. Um, yeah. So... Yeah, I, I, if if they do, if they keep to the four books, I don't know what they do. Like <laughs> we had two setting guides, a, an adventure, and a supplement this year. And you know,
1: it you know would be really uh, neat, uh, something mm. that was world affecting, and I mean, like literally, progress the world in a way that the other ones hadn't. Because, mm. like, in four E. There was like, I think it was called like the Sundering. <laughs> where essentially well, that was at the end like, of it. Yeah, where it got like ripped out. And then yeah. like it it changed how the world was. And it feels like so far the Sword Coast, like all of these things could have happened, but nothing changed to the Sword Coast.
0: Yeah, I I was uh, we talked about this on Champions of Lore and Aaron said that I, uh, I believe it was that a uh, 1490 dr is the furthest we have any concrete lore of yep. um yeah you know if they did if they did one cuz Pathfinder 2nd edition pretty much did this where they chose an ending for every campaign that was in first edition and progressed the the timeline for second edition and which has just made it a nightmare for anyone who still wants to play those adventures. True. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember I, I texted, I, I messaged our Discord, or Pathfinder group. It was like, oh, I got the world guide. And Wiz was just like, do not go look at the Corvosa section. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Casually spoil the entire series in like a yeah, sentence. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Oh man, you 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 want to the first time? This is a complete tangent. You want to the first time I felt a spoiler hit me in the chest? What? Knights of the Old Republic. I oh. I love player's guides. It's one of my favorite things in the world, and one of the things I always used to do because I was playing GT and stuff at the time is I would read what the next thing I needed to do, like the 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 uh, the the mechanic or like the puzzle or something, so I could get myself ready. This is why I don't care about spoilers in Dark Souls because I just watch videos and then go okay experiencing it is my experience yes and I I freaking okay jump ahead 30 seconds if you don't want almost 20 year old spoilers (laughs) but I I I was I was at jack-in-the-box with my grandfather and I was waiting there I was like oh I should read ahead before I get home so I know what I'm gonna do and I opened the book and the first sentence I read is now that you found out you're Darth Revan and I went (laughs) And I just, I closed the book and I sat there with my shoulders sunk and I just, I looked like a hurt puppy. Oh. And my was like, what's wrong? And I wasn't about to look at him and go, my book's ruined the Star Wars spoiler for me. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm fine. Um,
1: oh man.
0: <laughs> so I don't even know how we freaking got to that. Anywho. I'm I, talking
1: about how the the campaigns build off each other in a concrete lore. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so
0: yeah if, they, if they did... I, because you've been you've been asking for a Sword Coast book that's not the Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide because that was like a pamphlet. Yeah. Um, I I do think that that would be a really smart thing for them to do, where, cause like imagine, well, a lot of the campaigns we have right now reference the other ones. Yeah. Where they are like, hey, if you did Storm King's Thunder, this connects to that. And so if they if the next adventure they do is so set where it's like this stuff has to have happened beforehand mm-hmm. to reach this point if they had a supplement come out that was like, "Hey, here's an update on what's been happening in the sword coast with more detail about places uh, now and, that we've and had
1: five years of campaigns. this is what all of them meant to the sword coast
0: (laughs) yeah yeah exactly Mm -hmm. so i i think that could be a really good book um as far as the adventure goes i need and i i can't understate this enough i need neverwinter (laughs) i've said this all year dude <laughs> i need you, yes. you have you You have teased me you have water deep you have Baldur's Gate, you have Icewind Dale. give me neverwinter <laughs> they're gonna really fuck around and give us luskin <laughs> don't 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 no no <laughs> pirate adventure go, you said
1: no no i want neverwinter pirate you said go, no go
0: listen to uh go listen to the champions of lore episode where we get Luskin's location wrong for about 40 minutes oh, uh, <laughs> that's there we know the lore. Um yeah that is I mean it. it I, I I would absolutely love and adore a Neverwinter book um, and it would be really cool if it was like like imagine if it was that like Dagult Neverember is the bad guy and they practically this set is a it up and huge Eve. event yeah. I know this. Like this is the huge event where it's like, okay, shit's changing in the world from here on out. Mm-hmm. So it would make the Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide not as helpful. It, it helps if you're playing Tyranny of Dragons and whatnot, but this newer book helps you with this Neverwinter adventure. Yeah, that would be cool. I um, think that's their
1: issue. I think that because they want to keep it so like ambiguous, they want to keep the ambiguity. Between books, and that's why whenever there is, like, the the campaign connection uh, section of every campaign book is so, like, filled with so many ifs, there's never a, this happened this point. There's never, like, any of that. It's like, if you want to go into this campaign, it's like, but what if... What if this did happen? What effect did the death curse have on the Sword Coast for a hot minute?
0: Dude, right?
1: Like, that's my biggest I've had question. To, I've had to
0: ask myself that <laughs> so many times since that adventure.
1: Because it, it's like, obviously, it wasn't just Chult, because the, the entire campaign starts in the Sword Coast, and this is a problem. <laughs> yeah. Like, how did that affect people? Did someone important, like, die die? Did, like, did anything happen out of that? Like, it's questions. <laughs>
0: Absolutely mm-hmm. um now, this would be the year because going by you know the the way things have been going it, they've been alternating that early year book mm-hmm. with a collection where we got tales from the awning portal and then Ghost of Salt marsh. any idea what they might do if they do another collection of adventure of old adventures?
1: Oh, I have no idea. Like, I, I don't I, play I have any one. of the old ones. You do? What's up?
0: Um, my, the only thing that I could see them doing, because we've got the classic dungeon book, we've got the classic C book, and we've been, they've been really going back to the, uh, the Curse of Strahd stuff. I mean, we, you know, behind both of us is the <laughs> revamped edition, um, what if they did a uh the the what are they called? The realms of dread or something like that? Oh the dread yeah. realms. Like if they if they collected a bunch of those older adventures that took place in Ravenloft the setting and put them together in this like, you know, gothic fantasy uh book. That would be pretty cool.
1: Yeah. But, I mean, there's a ton of those out there too, if I remember mm-hmm. reading that right. Cause Yeah like Ravenloft initially started in dragon magazine and then just kept growing from there. So it's like, I can imagine how many actual like good adventures came out of that.
0: Yeah. But like, besides that one, I don't know what else they would do. And I don't know how they keep that sort of book going, going forward.
1: So. that's I mean, that's a great question. And like we, we picked up on this during the ghost of salt marsh too. Like it'd be really awesome if they picked old, adventures if they're gonna keep with the old adventures that as i mentioned earlier weren't like you know problematic that'd be cool Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) especially Mm -hmm. with the tone that they want to set going forward if they want to keep that tone they really need to be choosy about where they go back from here
0: yeah 100 percent um if they do a if they do a supplement book okay so like let's say that they're not doing uh, uh uh you know the advanced players handbook or 5.5. What would you want to see out of, out of a supplement book if they do one?
1: Um, you know, I think it would be really neat if they somehow could rework multi-classing.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Because it like, whenever you do multi-class, it feels like you're giving up things constantly. You're not gaining okay. anything because you have to start at one again. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And so it feels like you're just're you're, you're giving a lot a lot up for a long haul like benefit when most of the time okay. people only play the first 10 levels. yeah, and if you're multiclassing, like you're not gonna get the full 10 levels of your class. Yeah. and so I feel like if they offered up an alternative way to do that and also more spells.
0: <laughs> yeah. um, I. Because like I could see them doing another book like Volos or Morticanans where it is uh set maybe more in like the far realms or multiverse stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh God, listeners, I must say it, Spelljammer. <laughs> if they if they did a Spelljammer book, <laughs> if they did a Spelljammer book, and it was just like, here's how you make a ship. Here's some weird space shit that you fight. Uh, you want to know what the uh, Mind Flayer homeworld's like? That's right, listeners. The Mind Flayers have a homeworld. They're mm-hmm. aliens. Same with Beholders. Oh, yeah. Beholder worlds. Weird as shit. Um,
1: I mean, like, that's... That would be... Oh, good That uh, I was going to say, like, that, that'd be amazing because... One, it would introduce another concept to D&D that's not centered into the Sword Coast, but can still be in the Sword Coast. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. you can, just like with the, the Baldur's Gate uh, trailer, you know, it's like, oh, all of a sudden, spaceships flying through, yep. wrecking shit. It's like, okay, well, there you go. There's your, there's your link. <laughs>
0: so yeah. you don't have to uh... purely
1: play out of it, too.
0: And I swear to God, if they release a spell jammer book after I finish my spell jammer campaign, I'm gonna be real pissed. Anywho, I what I actually, <laughs> what I actually want them to do, I want them to make Dungeon Masters Guide two. Yeah. I want them to make a second Dungeon Masters Guide that is more focused on things like we got in Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, Session Zero. Uh, here is the suggested skills to call for when check uh, when doing checks and expand on that more than just monsters like last night a question came up uh in, in our in our game uh that, that tom's running that i didn't even have an answer for uh we found some gems and uh nick goes uh can uh, how, how do i find out how much these are worth and i went oh, shit, I have no idea because I never give my players anything. Um, <laughs> Tom Tom was looking at me. I'm like, I got nothing. I have and a he, terrible he
1: called- answer for that.
0: <laughs> What's that. What's yours?
1: So in the DMG, there's a treasure section. And mm-hmm. generally, they have it based off of tables of how much things are worth. So if you want, like, a 25 gold worth gem, there's a jet for you. And it has, like, a list of, like, 10 gems per each tier of gold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so... What we've done in the past, what I've done, because uh, Saphir, believe it or not, is a huge uh, person into gems because his whole family is, you know, named after gems. Mm. And so he's like, well, how much would be getting a ruby cost? And I'm like, that's a great question. So then I go into the book and I have to look backwards from those tables. Instead of looking for how much a ruby would cost, I have to look at where the ruby is on the tables and seeing what table that ruby is in.
0: Yeah, it sounds...
1: It's Terrible. not a good system. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's an answer, so, but it's a bad answer.
0: Yeah. So, like, if they had suggestions on, it's like, hey, we know we removed appraise as a skill. Um, here's our suggestion on what to do instead. Um, like, I understand that a lot of the things Five E does, and this is again to its detriment, and and the problem that we're having, and a lot of people are having, where it's basically just like you make it up, and it's like, okay, that's, and some things that's cool. But and other things, I would like to know this is what I should do here mm-hmm. oh, um, yeah. instead of just making it up because it doesn't feel as good to do that all the time.
1: Yeah, uh, the issue with that that answer is that like it's only like 60% of the time where, I don't know, make it up is the answer where it actually speeds up the game.
0: Like I, I, I feel like my biggest problem with the just make it up thing is... Like, okay, let's say that a player is asking me how to appraise something, and I tell them, "Uh, just make a history check. And they're like, oh, well, I'm shit at history checks. Like, then they feel like, oh, well, he told me history because I'm not good at it. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, it's the other way around, and everyone else is like, oh, well, he told him to do history because he's ridiculously good in it. Whereas if the book says, oh, the book suggests we do history, we're just going to make it that. There's nothing there. The book said it. We're cool. We're done. Yeah. There's no argument over, well, you just made that up, so we should change it.
1: Yeah, there's the established written, like rules as written concept. Um, Like, I know that concept very dearly because my lovely boyfriend really likes to look into things about, like, well, this is how it says it's supposed to be done. And I'm like, okay, okay, then we'll do it that way. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. it's like, granted, to be fair, most of the time, the way things are supposed to be done is a lot easier than when I just make up on the fly. And Mm -hmm. I just wish that that information was more accessible versus having to stop and look at something for like five minutes.
0: Also, I don't know about you, but I love going. Uh, l- I love someone being like, "Oh, well, this is what it says to do in the book," and go, "Yeah, it's not as cool though. we're gonna do it this way." Like, it's just fun to say that. <laughs> it is fun to say
1: that. <laughs> but like, when it comes to like technical stuff, where it's like, "Oh, what's the speed of a boat?" and I'm like fuck if I know man (laughs) (laughs) how far do you travel in a day how am I supposed to know this like am I really supposed to calculate like nautical miles and like the speed of your boat are you all sailing it at night is someone up there are we gonna have to lose someone during the day because someone's awake like I don't want to think about those things
0: (laughs) yeah yeah no I I, yeah so I, I, I would love to see them do a uh, a second DM's guide that is that is so much more about, like, like I want to open that book and feel like Chris Perkins or Jeremy Crawford is sitting down with me and go, all right, I'm going to give you a little bit of advice here. Mm-hmm. Like, like, imagine if they just called it, like, DM's advice, something yeah. like that. They actually make sage advice into a book. Like, yeah. I I think that would be cool.
1: I, I honestly wish that, that that they did that because I've seen so many people mention about how they still have their 4E. Like Dungeon Master's Guide, yeah, kind of thing, because I do too. That book helps them understand how to run a game so much better than the Dungeon Master's Guide does. And mm-hmm. to be fair, it's they're not wrong. the The Players Handbook, I personally believe, does a better job of showing you how to be a DM than the DMG does.
0: I've literally told people who are interested in uh, DMing to buy the Players Handbook and the Monster Manual, and just get the DMG whenever they can.
1: I literally hand-sold someone at the bookstore. They had the DMG in their hands. And I'm like, listen. <laughs> and I, I talked to them for a bit, figured out what they were doing. and I'm like, okay, they're DMing for the first time. Do you have any of the other books? They're like, no, I was thinking about reading this one first. I'm like, okay, that's probably not the best path, of like, route for you. Let me tell you why. I know it seems
0: like it would be. Yeah. <laughs> I, you're not wrong.
1: <laughs> like, first instinct, you're, you're, you think and write. But let me, yeah. let me tell you how you could do this a better way. And I think, yeah, if they put out a supplement book that is geared towards DMs purely, because that was the other thing about Tasha's like people were like, I'm a DM. I don't really care about the first 90 pages of Tasha's. Can I get something more in depth?
0: (laughs) Well, I I mean, that was kind of the argument that I not argument like you and I, I remember talking about this when Xanathar's guide came out Mm -hmm. uh, where I was just like the first half of this book is useless to me. Yeah, and and then I kind of was looked at more. I was just like, actually, the whole book is useless to me because I'm mid campaign right now. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> exactly. And like, yeah, it would it would just be really nice for them to come out with a comprehensive. This is how you DM DMG, mm-hmm. as opposed yeah. to just here's a bunch of tools you can use if you DM DMG. Yeah, because that's Absolutely. what the DMG is. It's just a bunch of tools at your disposal, whether that be yeah. magic item lists, how to create worlds, or like but it doesn't actually tell you how to run the game.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well I, I I that that's all the uh the 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 hopes and thoughts that I have for next year. You got anything else to round out this segment?
1: Give me a Feywild Wild book. Oh <laughs> please <laughs> Yeah
0: do it <laughs> I love that. I love Please. that a lot.
1: <laughs> Give, me the yeah! <laughs> Give me the red coats
0: and stuff. Yeah. Give me
1: the Fomorian Warriors.
0: The Fomorian Warriors. I love it. I love be it. Fun. that's that best way to that was the best way to round this out cuz that was the best answer you could have given. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right. Well, I think that's it. I think we're good for this. This is the, the the last episode of the year, right? This is Oh, it? yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I forgot to say and just keep you again. Yeah, this is the last episode of 2020. Yeah. Uh we will be back in the first week of 2021.
1: Yeah. Thank 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 you all for listening so much this year. We understand that 100%. Yeah, if you you cut out your your drive time, but you still kept up with us, we appreciate you.
0: <laughs> 100%. <laughs> like, e- even even if you, you didn't at the beginning, and you came back later, is if you listened this year, thank you.
1: Yeah, at all. It's We, we appreciate all y'all. And, and if you took part of our charity run where we got shirts for you guys and we got like money to the good places, that was... 2020 in its own way was was pretty nice. In its, in its own little it, way.
0: W- when it didn't involve anything outside of my house, fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yep. Well, that was our show for this week and the last show for this year. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to support it, the best way to do that is by leaving a review on your service of choice, as well as telling your friends about the show. If you'd like your questions, advice, or stories read on the show, send them into difficultyclass at gmail.com. And if you'd like to stay up to date on the show, you can follow us on Twitter at difficultyclass and on Instagram at difficultypodcast. So until next year, have a good game. Thank